truth in the songs that they sang. God is a good God. Not just some of the time, part of the time, or most of the time. He's good all the time. Nahum 1-7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. Romans 2-4 says, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. James 1-17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That lets me know that God doesn't change. In Malachi 3.6, he said, I am the Lord, and I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13.8. He'll be there when you need him. He'll never leave nor forsake us. He is a great God. He's worthy of praise. Really, there aren't enough words to describe the greatness of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Psalm 145.3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. First Chronicles 29.11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is Thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and Thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of Thee, and Thou reignest over all. And in Thine hand is power and might. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. What a wonderful God. Psalm 147, 5. Great is the Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Verse 13 of Psalm 145. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion will endure throughout all generations. God's still in control of his plan. Now, he allows you and I to make decisions. That's how you reconcile the sovereignty of God with the free will of man. God gave you and I free will. David said in Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Some people, instead of being like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are like sad sack, bad back, and back to bed, I go. We have a free will. When I got saved, God didn't twist my arm. You're going to the, I don't want to. Okay, I will. No, I chose to. And you did too. Revelation tells us, the spirit and the bride say come. Let him that hears say come. Let him that is the thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It was a choice you and I made. And God won't hold us against our will. I've had people say, well, you know, there's only the, there's only the perfect will of God. Now, there has to be a permissive will of God. And I, I can show you by the Bible. How many knows it's not God's will that anybody go to hell? Second Peter 3, 9, he's not willing that any would perish, but all come to repentance. First Timothy 2, 4, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be as saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. So we see it's God's will for everybody to be saved. Revelation 20 and 15, whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. 
Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse or rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We read that there are going to be people going to hell, and we read that it's not God's will that anybody perish. So God gives us a free will. He doesn't want anybody to be banished to hell. And God's not sending anybody to hell. If people go there, they've rejected the Son of God, and they've chosen that path. I've had people talk about, well, what about somebody in Australia back in the woods? Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmness showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Romans 2.15, which show the work of the law written in their heart, their conscience bearing them witness, and their thoughts to mean, while accusing or excusing one another in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Anybody that gets serious about God, God will reveal himself to that person. Absolutely. That's what the Bible says. And people could choose to go their own way. But it's a way of destruction. I'm glad that somebody told me about the Lord. I'm glad somebody invited me to church. I'm glad somebody witnessed to me. Because without that, Pastor, you've been talking about seed sowing. That's what we need to do in this time we're living in. Knowing that Christ is coming back, we need to reach out like never before. We need to tell people the good news. The good news is the gospel. The good news is Jesus is Lord. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He's here tonight. He said, if two or three gather my name, Matthew 18, 20, I'll be there. That's what he said. And Titus 1, 2 says God cannot lie. Numbers 23, 19, God's not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? And if that's not good enough for you and I, Hebrews 6.13 says, God could swear by no greater, so he swore by himself. Woo! Glory to God. And he is a good God all the time. He's a wonderful God. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to go down to verse 58. Somebody was asking me how far is West Virginia from me. I'm thinking, I'm going to say probably 850 miles, something like, how much is it? Oh, I thought you were telling, I thought you said no. I thought she said no and she knew exactly how far away. But I'll tell you it's about West Virginia. It's known as almost heaven. And do you know why? Jesus said the way to heaven was straight, narrow, and holy. Our roads are narrow and holy, not too straight. So two out of three is not bad. That's why we're almost heaven. If you can drive on the roads in West Virginia, you won't have any trouble driving on any road in the United States of America. <laughs> Amen. Somebody's clapping their hands. You've been to West Virginia? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. You are from West Virginia, aren't you? Close enough. Over Prestonburg, Kentucky. Preach over there quite often. And in Pikeville. That's over in the southeastern part of the great state of Kentucky. Actually, a Kentuckian told me years ago, the reason West Virginia is almost heaven is because it's next door to Kentucky. Uh, we'll talk about that after church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
I believe that's really apropos to you and I in the 21st century. We need to realize that Jesus' return beckons. It's on the horizon. It's even at the door. We need to be up and about the Father's business. There are signs all around us pointing to the coming of the Lord. And there's no time to waste. We need to move with haste. I asked the Lord about a year after I got saved, God, how come I live to the place where I could become a Christian? Because guys I ran around with, some of them died in barroom fights. Some of them died of drug overdoses. Some of them died of a drunken stupor. Some of them died. A few of my friends died in a car, and they had the engine on, and then the carbon monoxide built up, and they fell asleep and died. I said, God, how come I lived in a place where I could become a Christian? And the Lord took me back to my childhood where we would go to uh, meet on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas Day, and the family would gather around and have a good time talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, most of the bad and the ugly, the fighters, the moonshiners, the women chaser, the cussers. But there's one name that came up in conversation when her name was mentioned, Pastor Arnold, Sister Barbara, a holy hush hit the room. My Aunt Janie Hyes from McDowell County, West Virginia. And I remember my mother telling me they would go visit Aunt Janie. That would have been my great aunt. And they walk up a long set of steps, and they could hear her praying. And I remember my mother telling me this. I didn't think about it then. That they didn't know it, but she knew a foreign language. They didn't know she knew a foreign language. She was praying in tongues. At a time, they might tar and feather you and put you on the next train leaving town. And God showed me that she was praying. She prayed for her parents, my great-grandparents, her brothers and sisters, my grandparents, their children, my mother, and then she prayed for me. Listen, it's important that you and I pray for our family. In Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, he said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy, but I found them. Therefore, have I poured out mine indignation upon them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have recompensed their way on their own head. So because there was no intercessor at that time, judgment came. You and I are salt, Matthew five thirteen, and we're light, verse 14. Pastor Daniel, Brother Emmanuel, what are you all trying to say? Pass the salt and turn on the light. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, we need to understand something about when the term man's used in the Bible. We think, well, it's only talking about the male gender. No. Genesis 5, 2 says God made them male and female and called their name Adam. When the term man is used in the Bible, it's about mankind. And there are men and women in mankind. If he, God, is talking about a man, you'll know it by his name or the context of the verses. Other than that, it means men and women. Like Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means men and women. And they will delight in his way. Salvation is to be enjoyed, not endured. <laughs> Some people go to church, they look like they just paid their taxes. When they walk out of church, they look like they've been to the dentist's office for a tooth extraction. And sometimes the expression on their face is like somebody who's been baptized in vinegar juice, drinking out of a pickle jar. First Peter 1 8 says, salvation is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Isaiah 12, 3, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. We're to enjoy our salvation. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, here's my definition of abundant life. Your cup is filled up to the brim, spewing out on somebody else. There's more than enough to go around. And we should be concerned about our neighbor. People we come in contact with. Cain asked the Lord, Genesis 4, 9, Am I my brother's keeper? 
I like what Paul said in Romans 1, 14. I'm a debtor to the Greek, to the barbarian, to the wise, to the unwise, as much as in me is. I am ready to preach the gospel to them that are at Rome, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Pastor Richard Edgar, he's retired now. He pastored Reality Gospel Church in Alexander, Virginia. And now he and Sandra are back down in their home state of South Carolina. And many years ago, probably 20-some years ago, he called me during the summertime. And I answered the phone. He was laughing. I said, what is it, Pastor Edgar? He said, Brother Manuel, there was a man in my office a few hours ago that asked me if I knew any Hebrew or Greek. And I told him, yes, I know a little Hebrew named Goldstein and a little Greek named Mike Manuel. <laughs> but when it says Jew and Greek, it's really saying Jew and everybody else, not just a Greek nationality. So, you look, when something's funny, it's good to learn to laugh at it. Tommy Barnett spoke at a conference out in Palm Springs with the Full Gospel Fellowship, one of the three fellowships I'm with, and he was talking about learn to laugh at yourself. And Tommy Barnett said, most preachers are adrenaline junkies in a hurry to get somewhere. And he talked about the time he got out of church. He's driving through a Wendy's drive-thru, rolled the window down. He said, I want a Coke, cheeseburgers, french fries, and a Frosty. He didn't hear an answer. Clearly, so, <clears throat> I said, I want a Coke. Cheeseburger, french fries, and a frosting. No answer. A man pulled up behind him. Now he's angry. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. I said, I want a Coke. Cheeseburger, french fries, and a frosting. And all these young people gathered around his car. When he looked over, he was talking to a bush. (laughs) He hadn't pulled up far enough. (laughs) We do funny things. We were talking before church about some funny things we've seen. Take place down through the years. But it's good to be able to laugh. I mean, some people that go to church, they get sick with rigiditis. They change the way they talk. They'll say mater and tater outside the church and tomato and potato when they enter the church. Listen, God knows how to communicate with you. This country boy went to his pastor, told him about a certain problem. The pastor said, you need to pray about that. God will give you direction. A few days later, the pastor's driving his car down the road, sees the old country boy walking on the sidewalk, pulls his car over to the curb, gets out of his vehicle, goes over, and he said, sir, did you pray about that matter? He said, yep. Did God give you an answer? And the man said, yep. He said, what did he tell you? He said, okie dokie. Now, how do you think God would speak to somebody who lives out in the country? If God would have said affirmative, he would have had to went and buy a Webster's Dictionary to find out what it meant. God knows how to communicate to you and I. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we can hear the voice of God. Yeah. We need to walk in the will of God, which is the Word of God. People say, well, you never know what God might do. I know what God will do, and I know what he won't do by the Bible. Now, let me make this statement. The Bible's not everything that God knows. Oh. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Paul said in Romans 15, 4, Watch everything things are written aforetime, written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. There is enough here in the Bible to solve every problem we're ever going to face. There's an answer in the Bible. Some people will try every other way possible to extricate themselves from their difficulty. And as a final result or last resort, they'll turn to God. God shouldn't be the last one we go to. He should be the first one that we go to. If we go to God first, we could avoid a lot of these problems. And if we listen to the Holy Ghost, now not everything, but we can avoid many things the devil's had laid out before us. By simply listening to God. Paying attention to the Lord. 
Romans 8, 14, as men are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we come into the family of God as little children. Galatians 4, 6, and because you're sons, God has sent forth his Spirit into your son, crying, Abba, Father. And we come in as little children. And then as we listen to the Lord and follow the Holy Spirit, we grow into sonship and daughtership. Come on. And God is using women in great ways today. That ruffles some religious feathers. But let me uh, remind you, without Eve, none of us would be here. Genesis 3:20, and God said unto Eve, your name will be called Eve. You're the mother of all living. Sarah was important to the plan and purpose of God. In Genesis 17, 15, God said, your name will no longer be Sarai. Your name will be Sarah. You'll be the mother of nations, the covenant nation. Deborah, Judges 4, 4, is called a prophetess. Wasn't there some TV series out in the 1990s? I never watched any of the episodes. Xena, warrior princess. She's supposed to be. Deborah make her look like a Girl Scout. And she was judge over the nation of Israel, men and women. And I don't know about that preacher. Well, take it up with God. I'm like the UPS delivery man. I ring your doorbell. I give you the package. If you don't like the contents, don't run down the road and ball me out. See who sent you the package. And if you want to give them a piece of your mind, call them up. And so I tell people if I'm not preaching the Word of God, you look, if I preach what I think, what I feel, uh, and I'll say this, if you can help me in the Word of God where I'm off, I want to know. How many knows we've not all arrived yet? We've not arrived yet. But thank God we're making progress. We're not what we're going to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. Philippians 1, 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 18, Growing grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to keep growing in the Lord. I believe God's going to use people in great ways in these last days. Daniel eleven thirty two talking about the time of the end. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits in the Hebrew. That means tremendous deeds. Exploits. Praise God. Nobody knows my name. They're going to know what God's doing. I don't care if they even know my name as long as they know Jesus. As long as they experience God in their life, then you and I will have accomplished what God has called us to do. Well, it'll be like John the Baptist. John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. More of Jesus and less of ourselves. That's what we need. That's what the world needs. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.2, we're an open book known to read of all men. We ought to be pointing people toward Calvary. They ought to see Christ in us, Colossians 1.27, the hope of God. He said be steadfast. That means be firm in your convictions. We need to know why we believe what we believe. Well, you know, that's my, my granddaddy believed that, okay. And his granddaddy believed that. This is, it, is according to the Bible. You know, there are a lot of things people do, and it's just based on tradition, not based on the Bible. This young girl asked her mother why she cut off the end of her hams before she put it in the pan to bake it in the oven. She said, well, honey, I don't know. Mom did, and Grandma was alive. They went to Grandma and asked her. And she said, well, I don't know, honey. My mother did. Great-grandma was 104 years old. They went to great-grandma and said, why did you cut off the end of your hams before you put in the pan to bake an oven, she said, well, honey, back then my pan wasn't big enough. Yeah, we're just going to do it that way. You know, 30 years ago on the second song on Sunday night, they sang, I'll fly away, and the power of God fell. And for 30 years, every Sunday night, the second song, they're singing, I'll fly away. They think the second song that that's going to bring it. No, it's the presence of God. 
In fact, during the 400 so-called silent years from the time Malachi penned his prophecy to the time John the Baptist came on the scene preaching the kingdom of God's at hand, the religious leaders wrote down their traditions in a book called the Talmud. By the time Jesus came on the scene, they didn't know much of the scripture, but they knew about their traditions, and the Son of God stood before them, and they didn't even recognize him. Mark 7, 7, how be it in vain that they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions which you have delivered, and many such like things do you. We need to base what we believe and do according to the Bible. You know, when I was reading myself into the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the church I was saved in, they preach and teach salvation, but not the baptism of the Holy Ghost, not a healing or miracles. And I would go to the Sunday school teacher and the pastor, and what about this? You know what they would say? Well, you need to sort of stay away from that. You know what? That, that sparked my curiosity. I, hey, what is it they don't want me to know? We ought to use some psychology. We ought to have PSA announcements on television. I'm Brother Know-It-All, and this is a public service announcement to the body of Christ. Stay out of Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Stay out of First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, but you can read in chapter 13. You know what people are going to do? What is it that preacher doesn't want me to know? On the front of a package of cigarettes, it has a warning label. Warning, the Surgeon General has determined that smoking cigarettes may be hazardous to your health. We ought to put a warning label on the front of every Bible. Warning! Traditionalists and religious have determined that reading this book may be hazardous to your preconceived notions and ideas about God. So I read myself into the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And two guys that I had great fellowship with, after I got filled with the Holy Ghost, they treated me like I had leprosy. But you know what? I just kept walking in love. And let me tell you. That's how people are going to be won over. And then when they ask, we need to have a scriptural reason for why we believe what we believe. I just believe that's the way I feel about it. Uh, feelings really aren't much to go on. How many of your feelings can deceive you? God will never deceive you. Second Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Well, you know what, brother? I tell you, I love this guy. Man, he, he's excited about the Lord. I appreciate him. He said, well, he can't see, but I think he can see things in the Spirit. You and I have no idea. Come on. They say when somebody loses one of their senses, the other senses, their senses are heightened, and, and they're proficient in those other senses. And I believe you hear things, my brother, and you say things that people need to hear. Amen? But we need to be steadfast in our faith and unmovable. That means to know why we believe what we believe. Because today we're living in an age of compromise. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that great and good and acceptable will of God. Now, the word conformed there is a word metamorpho. I remember taking eighth grade science class, and they used the word metamorphosis. They talked about caterpillars going into a cocoon for a period of incubation. And when it goes through that chrysalis and the cocoon bursts open, it's not an ugly caterpillar that emerges. Guess what comes out? A beautiful butterfly. Isaiah 40 and 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall man up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Don't be shaped in the images. Well, how are we going to do that? We need to spend time in the Word, time in prayer, get our minds renewed to the Word of God. Put the Word in our spirit. Psalm 1-2 says, meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. That word meditate in Hebrew is from the word ruminate, 
We have ruminant animals that have multi-chambered stomachs. I've been corrected a few times, and I think some farmers are confused. Some farmers have told me there are three compartments to a cow's stomach, and I've heard other farmers tell me there are four compartments to the cow's stomach. How many farmers do we have here tonight? Anybody? How many compartments does a cow have to its stomach? Okay, we'll go with you. Four. Now, you know what a cow does? A cow will chew on the cud and swallow. But it doesn't stay down too long. I'm not going to gross you out. I could use another word. Then the cow regurgitates. You know what it does? Choose some more. That's how you meditate on the Word of God. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of the... I know that's a crude illustration, but I don't think you'll ever forget it. That's <laughs> true. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make the way prosperous. Then you're going to have good success. We need to be firm in what we believe. Christ said in Mark 8.38, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of the Father with holy angels. I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus, and I'm not going to be ashamed of the Word of God. I'm going to share the word of people who don't want to hear it. I'm not going to try to force it on them. But there are people that will want to hear. There are forces now that want to shut the church up. They want to shut the voice of God down in the earth. Well, you know what? I believe we got people with backbone, and we're not going to let that happen. And I don't have to change my worldview to fit somebody else's worldview. This happened, I think it was last spring. There was a teacher that taught in school. I was a school teacher for 11 and a half years till October 1986. Then I left to go full-time as a preacher. I've been traveling for 37 years. But this teacher was asked by a student that is a boy saying that he was a girl. And he said, no, I'm not going to call you that, but whatever designated name you want to be called by, I'll call you. If you want to be called Penelope, Abigail, or Deborah, hey, if that's the name they want to be called, I'll call them that name. Well, they suspended him, and it went to trial. Guess what? The teacher won the case. I hope this makes it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And anyway, the judgment said the teacher was willing to call the student by whatever name they wanted to be called by, but the teacher wasn't required to change his view of biology to suit somebody else. I mean, you could believe you're a crow if you want to, but I'm not going to call you a crow. Okay, Pastor, help me with this illustration. Would you hold this? Just hold that for a minute. I want to fly. Why can't I fly? I don't have wings, and I'm not a bird. I told you this morning, I thought I was Superman when I was seven years old. and jumped off the neighbor's porch, hit my head on the awning, and broke my arm. Barb, my, my arm is going down to 90 degree angle, hanging down. And you know what I found out? I wasn't Superman. But I want to be like Jesus now more than ever. Be steadfast. Committed to what the Bible says. And we could do it without being mean-spirited and angry and hateful. And we could st- speak the truth, Ephesians 4, 15, and love. It's important to speak the truth, but it's how you speak it also. I used to go to the jail. In fact, I credit my loud voice in this small body. When I would get out of Sunday school class, I would go up to Lone County Jail and preach those men behind bars. One thing about it, if they didn't like what I had to say, they couldn't do anything about it, I was preached to a captive audience. <laughs> this one Sunday afternoon, there was a big old six foot seven, three hundred pound bruiser, and he tried to drown me out. The louder he got, the louder I got. The second Sunday he was twice as bad. And then the third Sunday, two men accepted Christ. I gave each of them a Bible. I'm walking out of the cell block here. He said, Hey preacher, come on down here. So I walked down there and he 
duck his hand out. His hand would wrap around my hand twice. He said, I need that Jesus you've been talking about. He's crying. He prayed the sinner's prayer. Gave his heart to the Lord. I went to the jailer, and they were strict about protocol. You had to leave whenever visitation time was over. And I asked the jailer, I said, look, there's a man that just prayed with me. Could you give me maybe five or ten minutes? I said, if not, I'll come back. Who are you talking about? The big guy there in the second cell block. He said, he prayed with you? I said, yes. He prayed to become a Christian? I said, yes. Mike Manuel, don't you tell anybody. I'll give you a half an hour with him. I believe that jailer was as excited about the man's salvation as the angels of God in heaven. He was a troublemaker. So I got to talk to him for about a half an hour, gave him a Bible, went up the next Sunday, and there was a new inmate. He was a small fire compared to the guy that got saved. He was 6'2", weighed about 220. He thought he was going to razz me. That didn't last too long because my antagonist of the week before became the defender of God's faith. He went over to that little small fry, put his hand on his shoulder, said, Now you shut up, you sit down, and you listen to the preacher man. What did he do? He shut up, he sat down, and he listened to the preacher man. God gave me a Holy Ghost bouncer in the Logan County Jail. Woo! That man went on to preach. Yeah, it wasn't jailhouse religion. Look, you go up there and these guys say, you know, I'm, I'm not, not guilty. And I would tell them, I'm not here to determine guilt or innocence. I'm here to tell you, though you're behind bars, you can still be free. Christ said to John 8, 36, that the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Galatians 5, 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jesus set me free from drugs and alcohol. I'll look down on anybody. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 15, he was a chief among sinners. If God could save the chief among sinners, how many knows he could save the braves? <laughs> Hallelujah. You've not went so far down. Look, don't give up on people. They're on drugs and everything else. Isaiah 59, 1. The Lord's hand's not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Hebrews 7, 25. He's able to save them to the uttermost. The coming of God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm preaching in a place down in Lincoln County called Four Mile. Do you know where that's at? You've probably heard of it. The guy that built the church, I'll give you a background of this. 1980, you know Clifford and Debbie Vance. Okay, their church started out of a revival that I preached. This place closed down called the Nowhere Tavern. I nicknamed it the Somebody Church. And I was to be there like for two or three nights. Well, the man that built this church, Full Gospel Church, he was a Baptist minister. And he was going to come, and he did come on Monday night, and he was called me and Clifford Liars, false prophets, because they're preaching a baptism with Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues and miracles. I don't know the guy. Clifford didn't know anything about what was going on. Here I get up to preach. I've been preaching five minutes. And by his own admission, he said, in another couple of minutes, I will stand up and call you a liar and call him a liar. I went back to pray for the man with the left ventricle of his heart. Roy, Roy Adams. You remember Roy Adams? Anyway, I prayed for him. Nobody in that church knew that. He had just had diagnosis of a condition with the left ventricle of his heart. That held him at bay on Monday night. He came out Tuesday night. Wednesday night, he had somebody fill in for him, and he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He brought 12 other United Baptist ministers out that all got filled with the Holy Ghost. 39 people were saved in that revival. We January, it was cold that January, 1981. We baptized at Lick Fork Pond. We had to break ice to baptize. Listen, they would say, Mike, I got saved under your ministry. You give them the charge. You can't hardly talk. When you walk into water like that, as cold as this, you know, it was cold. But after 10 minutes, I didn't feel a thing. I was frozen. But he came out. Well, he built this church up at Four Mile. And I went up to preach for him. And it was another year. It was a cold February night and rainy. Thank God it wasn't snowing. We get a lot of snow and ice at times. Sometimes we don't get as much. 
So they had an outside restroom facility. And in NASCAR terminology, it's always good to make a pit stop before getting on the racetrack. So I went out to the outside restroom facility, but unbeknownst to me, there was a hole that had been covered by boards. And some, those kids had been playing outside before church. They did it on purpose, or they accidentally did. I took a step, and I went down in the mud hole. In retrospect, I'm glad it was a mud hole. It could have been a whole lot worse. So I tried to wipe the mud off my pant leg, and I smeared it in. What did you do? I went ahead and preached to those people on that Saturday night. All their eyes were fastened on my muddy pant leg, and I couldn't resist the temptation to tell them. I feel like David, who said in Psalm 40 and 2, The Lord delivered me out of a horrible pit, brought me up out of the miry clay, and set my foot up on a rock, and established my goings. That was a funny thing. Listen, I went home. Kathy said, what happened? I stepped in a mud hole. Man, I don't complain about that. Sometimes we complain about things that that it bothers me. Yes, things are not really that important. When I was to fly out October the 5th to go to South Korea, on October 3rd on Monday night, Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator, launched an intercontinental anti-ballistic missile over Japan. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting these phone calls and texts. Mike, don't go, don't go. Mike, don't go, don't go. Kathy now's rattled, honey, what are you going to do? I said, well, I've got the peace of God. And then I said, let's unplug our landline and turn, we turned our phones off. I said, I'm going to bed. When I wake up tomorrow, if I have peace in my heart, I'm going to go, and if I don't, I won't. Paul said in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. I had peace in my heart, flew to Detroit. It was a 14-hour, 48-minute flight to Incheon Airport in Seoul, South Korea. But that flight was delayed one day because a co-pilot tapped out or whatever, and we figured out, that they were trying to find a way. He wasn't launching missiles more over Japan, but he was launching missiles between Japan, North Korea, and right there near South Korea. I had peace about it. I told Kathy, she said, you sure? I said, I'm positive I have peace. But I had no going over and coming back. I'm glad that I went on the trip because I was inspired, made contacts, uh, places to go around the world. And uh, I've also been voted on as a CGI member. Now, I've been a CGIA board member, Church Growth International of the Americas. Now I'm on the board of Dr. Cho. Uh, started many years ago, but it was a great uh, meeting, and I stayed the next week for the World Pentecostal meeting. It hadn't been in Korea in like, I don't know, 15, 18, or 20 years, and it just happened to have it the next week. Dr. Bob told me before, said, Mike, you need to stay for this next week. 10,000 ministers came from all around the world to Seoul, South Korea for that meeting. Listen, the, we, we need to be firm in what we believe and not vacillate. Ephesians 4.14, that we be not uh, children, it says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. People can start doing that. People just do, oh, man, oh man he, he, he knows how to rhyme phrases, and, and they're doing this new thing. Find out if it lines up with the Bible. I'm not just going to follow somebody because they're doing something if, if I can't find it in the Bible. But I'll tell you this. When I saw people going out under the power of God, I made a statement. That, That's not God, and I'm not going to do that. You know what happened? I was slain in the Spirit, and God taught me a lesson because the first time, Sister Barb, Pastor Arnold, I was slain in the Spirit for an hour and 15 minutes. I like being slain in the spirit to an anesthesiologist ministering an anesthetic to put you in a state of anesthesia. Sometimes God has to give us an anesthetic so he can do a deep heart surgery on us. I had these things all build up. And then, you, you know, I'm not going to, but I saw, then I read it in the Bible where they fell to the ground in the presence of God. I hadn't seen when I saw that. Well, you know, that's not wrong. Like lifting your hands up. When I saw the man on TV give the scriptures, I looked at 1 Timothy 2.8. Psalm 63.4, uh, Psalm 134.2. Yeah, I said, well, look, it says to lift your hands up right here in the Bible. I'm going to do it. Amen. Psalm 47.1, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Amen. Well, some people think, you know, that tongues will get you in trouble. Tongues has never divided a church. 
Never. People's rejection of the truth can divide a church, but tongues won't. And if it's presented the right... See, sometimes we have been bad to have this superior holier-than-thou attitude. I speak in tongues. I'm up on another level than you. Oh, that's a great way to share the truth. Thinking you're up on another level? Listen, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as men as the Lord our God shall call. And it's a gift. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come of the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Well, I'm on this higher level. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We need to stay humble. Bold in the word. Preach bold in the word. But we need to be humble in the sight of God. And boldness means confidence, not arrogance. Well, you know, those preachers, they, they, they act like they know what they're talking about. I, nobody can be that sure. Do you approach that when you go to a doctor? Well, he knows too much about medicine. He graduated at the top of his medical class. And I need to go to, I'm going to go to a doctor that doesn't quite know as much. If you go to a lawyer, more he knows star deceases, precedent, all this. I need to go to a lawyer that doesn't know that. And it really scares me. He knows so much. So you want the best when it comes to legal matters, financial matters. Any of these other matters, why would you want any less when you're talking about spiritual matters? Amen. Romans 3, 4 says, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Proverbs 28, 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 19, Pray for me that I may open my mouth and speak boldly as I ought to. We need to be bold in the word of the living God. Amen. Confident in what we're saying. If we're telling people what God says, be steadfast, unmovable, unmovable. Come on, saints of God. We're built on the rock. <laughs> and we might go through some storms. Some people think, we don't have to get saved. It's going to be a fiery bed of ease. Listen, people saying that, yeah, they're going to have any more problems. They're not telling you the truth. We're not immune to problems, but we have a problem solver in us. Yeah. Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Christ said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you that me and I have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. First Peter 4, 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Let me tell you what would be strange for you and I to be in love with Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, caring about people, doing the work of God, and the devil not doing anything about it. I begin to wonder if the devil got saved, but he can't because he's beyond reconciliation. Zechariah 3, 1, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. You'll see the devil's always trying to hinder, impede, and sidetrack what you and I are doing for God. But you know what? We're going to outlast the devil. Psalm 30 and 5, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on, saints of God. Hallelujah. We're just going to outlast the devil. Steadfast, always abounding. And when you're abound, that means you're really involved. Seed sowers, harvest reapers. Christ said in Matthew 9, 37, The harvest truly is plenteous, the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth the labors into his heart. You and I are a product of Jesus' prayers being answered. Think of that. Jesus prayed for us to be laborers out in the vineyard. Somebody told you about the Lord. Somebody prayed for your soul. And we are our brother's keeper. We ought to be concerned about others. 
Well, and I'm sort of comfortable with the people I associate with, and I don't want to go out of my circle. Jesus went out of his circle. He went out of his circle big time. I'll close down on this. I was in the Dominican Republic back in 2019. They have five television stations. Steve Holder, myself, and David Smith, those two ministers are from North Carolina. We were there being interviewed by a man. He and his brother were saved under the ministry of their daddy who was saved under a missionary's ministry that went to the Dominican Republic uh, way back in the 1960s. Now, these two brothers, at one time both knew the Lord, and the one interviewing us was still on fire for God. But the other brother, he got into this thing. He didn't know if there was a God or whatever, and they wanted me there on the TV program to slide in some questions about Christian apologetics. And he was over here when I was on. He was like this, watching everything. He wasn't on the stage. He was like this. Anyway, the question was asked, why did we leave the United States of America, the most populous country on the face of the earth, to come to a, a third world nation like the Dominican Republic? And then Steve Holder said, well, my father helped Ellie Mejia Diaz and his brother John uh, get these churches started 37 years ago. And Dave Smith said, I just wanted to come to see what's going on here and help. They asked me, I said, look, it's not a big deal to come from West Virginia to uh, the Dominican Republic, I said, because Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came to this world. I said, that was a much bigger deal, that he came, Luke nineteen ten to seek and to save that which was lost. He lived among men. He walked among men, but yet he never sinned. Never a man spake like this man, John seven forty eight. So I said, then they start asking me a few questions about creation, and I'm bringing science out. And I'll tell you, I'm, Ellie wants me to come back. I want to get back over there. I've got a lot. He, now, his brother was over here like this. I saw the pride come out of him. After our interview was over, we're walking out. And he came over. He said, I've never heard some of these things. I said, the Bible is the word of God. It's accurate in its prophecies. It's accurate in all the science it has in it. Scientific principles are in the Bible before scientists ever discover these principles. Went back to our hotel. And I went down the street to a little corner to get me some orange juice and, and a bag of chips, whatever. And people, hey, we saw you on TV. Because only have five TV stations. I led five or six people down to the Lord down to the convenience station. Hallelujah. Always abounding, abounding in the work of the Lord. So seed, water seed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. God's word will not return back to him void. Isaiah 55, 11. His word will accomplish what he sent it to do. And the seed is the Bible. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Christ said in John 6, 63, the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. They have found seeds in pyramids that are thousands of years old. And they took those seeds that were marred and scarred and took those seeds, planted them in the soil, and those seeds began to germinate and grow. Though those seeds were incubated for thousands of years, the life principle was in the seed. And I'll share this story. I was witnessing to a young man on the streets of Logan, West Virginia, many years ago. And when I was talking to him, it seemed like water rolling off a duck's back. And he would sit there and listen to me. And I didn't feel like he was accepting anything I had to say. A little over a year later, not too far from where I talked to him previously, I'm walking down the street and I hear, Hey, Brother Mike, wait a minute. I looked across the road and the traffic's going by. And there he is with a big Bible under his arm. And when the traffic cleared up, he ran across. He said, Mike, do you remember uh, over a year or so ago you talked to me about the lust? I remember that. 
He said, I fell under conviction. He said, I couldn't sleep at night. I knew I wasn't right in the sight of God. He said, I went to a church up at Holden, a free will Baptist church. I gave my heart to the Lord. He said, Brother Mike, about six months ago, God's called me to preach. I sat with him on the street corner. But now I'm going to tell you what I didn't tell him at the time. When he was telling that to me, I thought, well, you could have fooled me because when I talked to him the year before, it didn't seem like he was receiving anything I had to say. And Jeremiah 1.8, God said, don't be moved by the expression on their face. Share the gospel. Don't be backward about it. Don't feel like, well, I can't say it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You might plant a seed somebody else is going to water. Maybe somebody's going to water. You're going to water a seed somebody else has planted. But it's God that gives the increase. And that word will continue to work around their heart. I'm glad people sowed seed in my life. I'm glad people took an interest in my spiritual welfare. I'm glad they were focused concerned about my eternal welfare when I wasn't even thinking about my eternal welfare. Well, we are our brother's keeper, and we ought to be involved to the degree that we can. Man, you talk about being happy. Christ said in John 15, 8, Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Proverbs eleven thirty: The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Christ said in Matthew four nineteen: Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And verse 19 says, Straightway they left their nets, and they followed him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just magnify God. Father, we thank you for the time we've had together here. And I thank you for the attentive ear, the comprehending minds, and the believing hearts of this congregation here on Sunday night. Lord, we're going to take it to heart. We know time is running out. Lord, if you don't come back in our lifetime, we only have one lifetime to live. But from what we see in the Word of God, we know that it has to be on the horizon. So I pray, Lord, for not just only... Hope through Grace Church here. I, I, I pray, Lord, for all the body of Christ that we all get a burden for the lost. And we'll be involved to some degree in talking to our neighbors, people at a Walmart or wherever, and sharing the good news. And we thank you, Lord, for this ministry here. And, I, Lord, I can just sense there's going to be a growth, a growth in the church, Lord. Other people are going to come in. and They're going to want to hear the word of the living God. Because in Amos 8, 11, you said there's coming a time of famine, not for water or for bread, but hearing the words of God. And I thank you the word of God's going forth abundantly from this pulpit, and people are going to want to hear it in Jesus' holy name. Now, it's the same.